Welcome to the Digital Workflow Dentistry Podcast Series. We help dentists adapt, adopt, and advance in the world of dental technology. For more information about upcoming lectures, webinars, and podcasts, please go to our website, www.digitalworkflowdentist.com, at Instagram, at Digital Workflow Dentistry. Good afternoon, dental internet world. My name is Dr. Vishal Sharma, alongside my friend and colleague, Dr. Mike Parchewski. Mike, happy new year, as they oftentimes say, new year, new you. And that's a great segue into our guest, because if I was to reinvent myself and my dental technology, this is the person I would want to become. Mike, I'm going to let you introduce our good friend and colleague, Dr. Ami Rehal. Right on. Thanks, Vish, and happy new year to you, and happy new years to our guest, Dr. Rehal. Dr. Rehal's uh, very well-versed and um almost, I would borderline say, even famous dentist coming out of the city of Winnipeg. Um, one of the biggest clinics in Canada, he oversees with a very modern lab. So we're very privileged to have him here because he is one of the key opinion leaders for Dentsply Serona, lectures around the world on 3D printing and technology. And when he shows pictures of his uh, dental lab at his office, it is literally filled with different 3D printers. Um, this guy and knows dentistry from the start to the finish. And I'm always wowed when I do see him lecturing. So special thanks for show, for coming to see us here. And uh, great to have you. Oh, well, thanks, guys. Uh, no honor to be here. So, uh, you know, it was, it was great actually at our last uh, KOL meeting in, uh, in Calgary just to sit down with each other. We don't often have that opportunity just to connect amongst ourselves as, uh, as teachers, you know. Um, so it's great uh, comparing notes and being inspired by each other. So it's very much a pleasure to be here. So, well, we're happy to have you, Ami. Um, you know, next to uh, Slurpees, you're probably the best thing to come out of uh, Winnipeg in quite some time. So we're going to jump into uh, the Q and A here. Mike alluded to the fact that you have a very unique and interesting uh, practice, and uh, we'd love if you could just take a few moments to tell us about how that practice grew into what it was or what it is today, and the infrastructure surrounding that practice. Sure. Well, uh, yeah, so it's a Cinnaboyne Dental Group. So long uh, standing history and, and kind of a real unique model at the time when it formulated uh, in the late 60s or mid 60s. Um, so the region of Winnipeg uh, called uh, St. James or Cinnaboya, the, these uh, five guys, five independent practice owners had the, the, the bright idea, well, you know, why don't we get together and and form a, a large group practice. So, and I think really at that time, it was really kind of unheard of. They didn't really have larger modeled um, uh, scaled practices like that. So really exceptionally skilled practitioners, really well-respected in the uh, Winnipeg environment, you know, kind of national provincial leaders uh, in terms of organized dentistry um, and a really reputable bunch of all teachers at the at a faculty here. And uh, they formulated this uh, larger concept of group practice. So, you know, the uh, the the tenant and the, the model was really it, it was an evolution of uh, of practice that was really patient centric. Um, you know, so you you show up and the line was that you put on your rented gown, you you treat your patients, you're on your treadmill. At the end of the day, you hang up your gown, you're off your treadmill, and then and you know the next dentist kind of takes the torch, so to speak. So it's had a really successful evolution and, and an, an immense amount of growth uh, over over the years. So, you know, this kind of occurred and, and happened um, over a larger period of time. I graduated in 1995 and um, joined the group 
So they kind of taught me in school and invited me on board and, you know, been there since uh, day one, a real strong clinical mentorship program when I, when I started there, you know, so you had the ability to work, but also take, a, take some time off and watch them work, you know, so that was really inspiring as a young kid. Uh, I often say that like everything, all my, my tricks in dentistry and hacks in dentistry came from that first year of practice watching these guys. Um, you know, fortunate enough to evolve through there and uh, kind of grew up doing an immense amount of dentistry. Um, and I think it was 2012, we you, initially the clinic was kind of formulated in this flat building. There was a larger medical practice, a small pharmacy and us. So it was a real symbiotic relationship. And then we were expanding and growing and growing. Um, and it got to the point where you know, we, we didn't have enough room or capacity with, uh, with that. So we kind of ventured off and we, we basically, you know, and I think at that point in time, we had five partners. Um, we kind of got a Safeway and basically gutted a Safeway. And then we built this, uh, this larger office. So it's about, um, I think it's about 16,500 square feet over two floors with 34 clinical laboratories. Um, and so a big kind of undertaking, um, you know, we've kind of grown to about a staff of, I think about 112 people now and full and part-time 22 or 23 dentists, something like that. Um, but fully digitally vertically uh, oriented. So everything's digital from radiography to our CRM, uh, full digital lab with same day services. So nothing leaves the building, uh, all the manufacturing for any restoration or materials done in-house. Um, so it's been, yeah, a real interesting adventure in dentistry for sure. And so, um, you know, obviously, uh, when you're not walking through the old produce department and checking on the uh, various Safeway, uh, departments in, in the clinic, what is a typical day look like for you, uh, clinically, Amy? Cause obviously the insourcing where everything is internalized is just such a really interesting and admirable and appealing concept, um, not only from a patient centric point of view, but also an efficiency and practicality point of view, but Walk us through what your day typically entails, including um, a lot of the uh, lab-based technology stuff that you're dealing with. Sure. So, um, and I, I think for me, like where where it really came to light was like we we um, were interested in, in Kayakam, you know, and it, it was about 15 years ago. And I think the the first five year clinical results on Emacs were coming out. And I remember the unveiling of that. It was like um, Sarek 22 and a half. And I, I think it was actually Bobby Joe that dragged me down there. Um, and it was, uh, I went to see, I'm trying to remember the name of the guy, Bob will come to me, but he was a material scientist. So I didn't go to any of the keynotes. And it was my associate and me and him at this lecture. And I was really interested in like success rates on the materializations for in-house manufacturing. And I remember him looking at me and saying, like, well, do you want to leave? Like, and he was, I felt bad for him because he's like, no one showed up to his lecture. But I'm like, you know, I flew from Canada to hear you speak. And it was really fundamentally at that, um, at that one little hour session with him. And it was very interactive. I could ask him questions where I was really sold on the science behind, um, you know, the, the manufacturing component, really primarily based upon lithium disilicate at the time. And there wasn't a ton of materials like what we have today. Um, and you know, so fundamentally, really on the plane ride home, I forced my partners and well, actually I, I ordered everything. And then I told my partners we ordered everything when I when I landed. So it was kind of a little bit of a shock to them. But we've all kind of evolved through it and had our, you know, ups and downs with with uh, making it happen. But there was a lot of, um, you know, will to to really make it succeed. 
So that was kind of the basis behind it. Now, we also had a motto that, you know, we, we didn't want to cement glorified temporaries. We, we wanted to make sure that the level of what we customized for our patients, that everything would be fully customized um, and that everything we cemented was equal or on par or better than what we we're getting with our commercial laboratories, which were actually quite and still are quite great in Winnipeg. Um, so we had that motivation behind it. I went out, uh, we had one lab tech uh, with me at the time, her name is Julie. So her and I kind of set out to make this adventure uh, kind of work. So we actually flew to California. I trained with this um, German ceramist, who taught me how to layer porcelains. And then, uh, you know, so I learned kind of like the standard technical aspects on an analog basis. And then I just went and digitized all everything I learned um, with Sarah. So that was kind of like the fundamental start of how things go. So for me today, um, everything is kind of driven that way. So I look at a case and, you know, I've been fortunate enough where, you know, I could do some ortho, I could do some perio surgery, uh, much like you might come kind of into implants. Um, so I got, got, you know, enough diversification where I can look at a case and pretty much do every component from the manufacturing side to the full implementation of every clinical aspect of the case. So I look at cases kind of holistically. So for me, like, I have two operatories, two exceptionally skilled uh, dental assistants. We do a lot of ortho uh, as well. Um, so part of my day is kind of segmented there. There's lots of implants. There's some Celia laser technology and then a lot of CAD CAM. Um, and then, you know what? Like there's still some run-of-the-mill regular um, restorative. Still see patient bases from I'm seeing the kids of the kids I've started with now, which is scarier the second time around. So I still get the odd three-year-old rolling in and, you know, mom and dad are making me see them. I'm petrified, but uh, we seem to do still be able to do it. Um, so probably about 15 to 20 patients in a day um, and lots of running around. So I'm skinny because I'm running up and down the stairs. <laughs> Keeps you fit, all those um, steps. You know, I like, so my watch or my phone, like it, I literally without trying, I'm about 12,000 steps by the end of the day. Wow. I've so actually, that, actually, when we've had some live surgery programs here, um, you know, that's just in our office. I've had, uh, 10,000 steps just running up and down the hallway, watching everybody yeah. put in, put in the implants. <laughs> um, burning question I had for you is when you have, uh, sedated patients, do you still have those shopping carts? You can just wheel them <laughs> out or. Well, you know, it, it's kind of an interesting mechanic here and it's such a synergistic relationship because we have uh, a periodontist, we have a resident that uh, did a GBR that does a lot of sedation and eats for us. We have a prosthodontist, uh, we have an orthodontist and we all work kind of together. So it's been, it's been great. Like, you know, our patients are super loyal. They've just been an amazing part of my life. You know, like I'm, I'm like the most, I would describe myself as a, like the most fortunate practitioner in Canada, bar none, you know, great opportunities and, and a real kind of safe mentoring environment where you can kind of do anything that you're, you're, you know, passionate about in dentistry here. You can kind of foster a niche for yourself and, and go at it. And you're going to have a, a flood of people that are going to watch you, which is great. Now, Another question I had was, what was the, uh, was it a blue cam or a red cam you were, you started back there with? The blue cams just came out. Okay. So powdering, uh, and the blues were, were kind of like where things were at. I initially were, was looking at a red cam, but then, um, but I bought, um, what was interesting is I bought a blue cam and a full in-lab system right away. Yeah. And in lab at that time, you could put the software on your blue cam, the ACU. Okay. So you did a separate PC. So I would kind of run... My life for me was like between chair side and in lab, I spent more time in in lab. 
Um, so I, I didn't even realize that there was a distinction between the two because I was, I was always there, you know, on, on the manufacturing side. Um, and I really think like, you know, when you, when you kind of look at it, what's interesting, and I'm sure you guys can kind of uh, speak to it as well too, when, when we're at the academy and we're teaching is like the, uh, the amount of appeal now for like everything digital has just gone through the roof with dentists. Like everybody's so thirsty for, you know, stuff that, you know, personally I was doing 15 years ago, but the practices are now adopting, but I, I really truly think it's the art of manufacturing that gives you your best return on investment, you know? So the scan send thing is good, but, but you really need to delve into manufacturing. And I think that's where the art artistry lies for sure. It's the fun part. Yeah. And I do notice a lot of the labs are, are trying to pick up uh, the faster delivery, um, getting things to you sooner in order, uh, I think to be on a competitive level, you know, say we can get you a crown in, in 12 hours, 24 hours, things like that. Um, but I, I still, you know, every day when we're doing the in, in office, to me, you know, deep margin, scan it. You don't have to bring that patient back. You don't have to re-anesthetize them. You don't have to re-isolate. You know, it's one and done. Um, mm. And, you know, a lot, lot less post-op problems, I think, um, being able to do that all, all in-house. Now, I just want to dovetail us into what I think is your sort of superpower is 3D printing. Um you know, you teach across Canada, you're coming out to, you know, you're going to be coming out here a couple couple sessions uh, to teach on 3D printing. Now, there's a hot topic now is 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 the new resins that are coming out for the prime print for um, the splints. And everybody's been wanting to get, as, as I think, one of the biggest um, boost to your practice is if you can start doing splints in-house 3D printed is is a great practice builder. Tell us about what's coming, what you've, what your experience with uh, the splints, with the prime print, and with the new resins coming. What do you see? How do you see that changing for the dentist going forward? Sure. Um, well, I think the materializations have been like so amazing. Um, you know, initially with splints and even dentures at the time, um, you know, we. I think my first printer was when Form Labs was like a Kickstarter, like I was talking to you guys about. So. I think I got it for $350 or something like that. It was a form one, like the very first one that they had. It was, it, I still have it. It's in my lab. It's a little bit, I'm not sure why I keep it there, but it's sitting on a little, little stool in the corner of one part of my lab. Um, and it was just the crappiest little thing, but I spent so much time on that thing, you know, trying to figure stuff out. But I was making, um, you know, digital dentures, like basically kind of like bases and then, and then, uh, you know, pouring, uh, and injecting, uh, lucitone against the 3d printed, uh, PMMA material. Um, so kind of doing an initial scan fit, um, and they're great little dentures, you know, and you still had the durability of doing a conventional lucitone, the denture based materials weren't that great with the splint materials. The, the harder materials were always a little tougher, um, just due to insertion forces, um, kind of a little bit more unforgiving, um, tend to be a little bit more brittle, but there had been in the last, I would say five years, a huge advancements with the fracture resistance and the elasticity modules of these materials. So when you, you still need hard materials for certain cases, but generally like with the new dense supply materials that are coming out, there's one called, uh, ST uh, and SF. So ST is kind of like the stronger, tougher material, not heat softened, but the SF is strong, but flexible. It's a little bit, um, heat soften when, when you want, but the insertion force on those materials are so low that they're very, very comfortable. They snap in. 
Now, um, with splints, I 100% agree with you, Mike, that it's a great in-house feature, gets you printing, gets you manufacturing. Um, I remember doing a return on investment, and I, I think it's a, you know, when you look at the amount of milliliters that you use for the splint resin and what a typical, um, you know, lab would charge for a bruxism appliance, um, it's it's a huge markup. So it's a very healthy way to kind of subsidize your practice and provide something that's almost immediate or almost same day for your patients. Um, we kind of layer our technology too. Like we we have prime scans everywhere, you know, doing a bunch of crown bridge and, and those things. We have iteros everywhere um, doing wellness scans, but I could take an iteral scan, put it into in-lab and use those to design splints, you know, and vice versa. You, you could things, you can move your technology and your devices around. So I think the new materials that are, are coming out were really based upon the key soft split materials that kind of changed things where, you know, all of a sudden a 3D printed uh, splint was as good or on par in terms of comfort and durability as something that you would kind of conventionally get back from a lab mm -hmm. where I actually think that the new SF materials supersedes um, now the, the Keysoft materials. Like, it's such an exceptional material, super clear, very easy, like to finish You're you're barely touching it after, after you've designed it. So heading out to Calgary, like the workshop is primarily going to be based upon, you know, doing some of those splints. But what's interesting though, is like people make mistakes in the software. It's actually one thing that they do wrong every single time. And it's just one little parameter. I'm not going to give it away. You're going to have to come to the course that you, once you, once you get this thing set up, right, your splints will work out every single time. So it's the magic sauce I'm going to give out in Calgary. Mike's actually in Toronto uh, teaching that weekend, so he can't attend. So if you feel free, feel free to uh, give us an advanced tidbit and we'll mute it and cut that out of yeah. uh, the podcast. <laughs> awesome. um, so really useful information on the 3D printing component. You actually circumvented one of my questions on how someone who's interested in getting into 3D printing, how they can justify the investment. And I think the splint application and the new ease of delivery with some of the more flexible uh, thermoplastic uh, resins sort of answers that question. So I want to pivot uh, over to DS Core. Obviously, your uh, Densply Sonora is big in your ecosystem, Ami. How are you currently utilizing DS Core? I know you're a big in-lab user, but how are you using DS Core and where do you see the future applications for it? Um, you know, I wish it came sooner because like uh, prior to that, we uh, were kind of like NASA here. Like um, the one thing that we've done for the last 15 years in CACAM Industries, I have every single case. So meaning I have my own DS core or my own centralized system. Um, and so it's uh, tetrabytes of information <laughs> that I've kind of cataloged or stored uh, a variety of different ways. So we, we've kind of had gone through a vamping of doing this. Now, the reason why you, you do that, like for me, selfishly, it's like education. So I could get cases and I can, you know, this, is, this has been a good case to teach with or, you know, but, but you often think about like applications. So maybe you have someone that you've done a wellness scan on, or you've done, you know, some prior work on, they break it, you know, so you can pull up the case again, remill it, get it ready to go before they even enter your your office. So there's a versatility in application that way, for sure. Um, DS Core for me, I think uh, what, what will be very outstanding is twofold. One is communication. So a little bit like like yourselves, you know, being out teaching and kind of being the cheerleaders for for the systems that we use and love uh, with Densply Serona, there's also a lot of like interaction. So, you know, like you, you teach, you get a great crowd, it's fun, but then the questions come, right? Or you, you talked about this, like, I kind of don't remember what you're saying. 
So for me, uh, helping people and colleagues design has been fantastic. And I, I do love doing that kind of thing. So it's been a communication basis. So my, you know, my lab, Rehaul Digital Designs, is out there. If you're having trouble with the case, we can connect. Um, and it's very seamless, you know, uh, secure meets, you know, for us in Manitoba, it's FIA, but any privacy legislation that has that, uh, it has that assurance. The other aspect of it is also interprofessional collaboration. So when you have a cone beam that's up there, you can create a canvas of, of interaction between your specialists, the, the viewers built in, um, they can annotate. So it becomes totally 100% seamless, you know? So I think that for me has been the most appealing thing. Before we're dropboxing, you know, half half the systems were done this way. Um, and, you know, the file sizes for some of those applications could be large enough where mm -hmm. you, you need to have kind of a send me system of some kind in order to collaborate where now you're you're centralized. So will I get rid of my servers here and just rely totally on the web? Maybe potentially, like I'm still kind of running dual systems. The other application where I think it's going to have, and I'm kind of predicting something, is maybe the design applications being within DS Core. And I think that, you know, makes sense that mm -hmm. that might be coming down the pike. You know, so essentially you're going to be on a platform where I could kind of log in and do my design applications on a web-based portal. You're always going to be current in software. I could do that from anywhere in the world. You know, you can have immediate access to all my assets. You know, and I, I think that to me is like extremely appealing. You know, as being as uh, digital as we are and all of our electronic health records are digitized, I can go and run my office on my phone, essentially, you know, and I'll have full, full access to rec records that way. And I think that's been the biggest versatility for how we think about cases, how we collaborate and how we implement the cases and, and make them happen. So I, I think it's a, an amazing evolution. But, um, you know, not having computers, so to speak, um, and being bogged down just from, you know, drives like I, I pretty much get the the, the standard computers and mike i'm sure you're the same and then i jack them up a bit you know so they're not normal computers by any means you know um so not having that uh ability to have to to do that continually will be a be a great thing i think yeah definitely has the the ability to upgrade and to consistently build without you having to put so much into infrastructure which you know we had a flood our servers went down we had to you know before that, they wanted to replace them. Luckily, we had converted everything to the cloud before we had the flood. And, uh, you know, you're you're thinking about that, how much of your office, um, if it falls apart uh, or you lose something, how much we're dependent on that. And so I love the idea of that, you know, you could run your office from your phone, everything would be in the cloud. And I think that movement to that is, is far better. And then I wouldn't have to carry so many hard drives when I go to these courses with my... <laughs> 3,000 well, PowerPoints, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, That's exactly it. And the real beauty for someone just getting into this digital design component where they're wanting to aspire to do at least part of what you're doing, Amy, of course, is the AI-assisted design component. You know, Can you design a crown where the software is going to help you design 80% of that crown? Can you design a night guard where the software is helping you design the vast majority of that? I think that'll, that, to me, is really exciting for opening up this technology to you know the, the dental masses. Yeah, and yeah, I think... Yeah. Sorry, sorry, go ahead. No, um, all I was going to say was the, you know, if you think back, Amy, uh, I started with RedCam. And if you think back to the amount of work and, and technology that you had to have to be able to operate the RedCam and the ability to make good crowns with red and blue cam, um, think about now that that young dentist, just like V said, getting into it now, it's 
it's almost foolproof now, the designs and the ability, and it's just going to get better. So I think for people getting into it who've always been sort of hands-off because it involves tech, it's too, it's the learning curve is steep, and I don't want to, now the learning curve is so much faster. I think this is where the, you know, a lot of dentists will, will want to make that move to get into the manufacturing in-house. And, and I do like, there's still a lot of people that just prefer sending to the lab and that, and that workflow. But I, you know, um, there's a certain pride that comes with making things in yourself and, and being responsible from start to finish. And I know you and I are, Emmy are that way. And Vish is, is obviously uh, a big proponent of that being that he's a, teacher of the CIRAC program, but it's, it's really about controlling the output, right? And, you know, you have to make sure that your margins are good and you're critiquing everything that you do from start to finish. It's super important. Yeah. And I, and, and you know, and honestly, like if I was starting out, um, I would say for sure. And it's like an evolution of everything, right? Like it's, it's never been easier than, than right now, you know, for sure. Materializations, technology, like you said, but you also don't have to do what I did. You know, um, like I'm, I'm a bit of a, a nut job when it comes to technology and computers and, you know, when I maybe a little over the top of everything I do, but um, in terms of application, but like when I'm teaching, I, and I, I tell people like, if you, if you convert even your posterior restorations to a same day restoration, you've won. There's really nothing more you need to do to number one, have a healthy return on investment Two take pride in what you're doing. Like you said, there's a feeling that you get, but also to elicit that, that patient experience. Now you think about people taking time out of their day twice, you know, having a temp, you know, shade matching, uh, you know, in a lab where you have the exact same restoration going in, in a digitally converted office where, you know, you smile design them, their faces on the screen, they pick the length of their, their teeth. Um, they pick the morphology of their teeth um, and then you finish it right in front of them and manufacture it right in front of them. It's the exact same restoration, but what happens is the experience drives the value. So they're going to value what you do, but at the end of the day, it's the exact same thing. And it's all based upon experience, right? Same day for sure is the way to go. A hundred percent. Like everything you can do to make time more convenient for them, everything you can do to make choices more convenient for them increases the trust and value in terms of your patient's experiences, right? We, um, like we're, we don't advertise like really and, and a large part of what we do and we're kind of realizing, okay, we need to have a social media pulse or we need to start doing something. But truly the fundamentals of this practice back from the sixties was all primarily word of mouth. My entire practice was just like, blah, 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 talk to blah, 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 was married to them. They came and saw me like my entire practice was built upon, like my personal portion of it was built upon word of mouth. It's all experience based. Yeah, it's huge, huge. Um, now let's, let's uh, take a left turn here. Um, I'm not sure, you know, I sometimes try to figure out how Vish and I have a time in a day. Um, I still can't f- quite figure out how you do everything you do in a normal time frame. Um, probably a hyperbaric chamber, uh, would be my guess, but you're also on the, uh, national dental examining board. Um, and you're, you're a part of implementing and, um, and proctoring the exams and, 
and uh, working with the with the students on that. Tell us a little bit about that role. How did you get into that? What's what's coming down the pipeline? Um, where do you see? Are you going to keep involved with that? What do you? Where are you at with that one? Yeah. So um, that that actually came as uh, you know I was on the MDA board. Um, when did I start? Two thousand and nine, I believe. There was uh, an MDA president. Two thousand thirteen. And then every DRA, every province has a regulatory uh, representative that composes the board of the, the National Dental Examination Board. So sat on that board and and kind of learned from, and I would say it's it's such a wonderful, amazing organization. It's a melting pot for dentists um, from all over Canada to collaborate, to provide fair, reliable um, certification and examinations for, for anyone uh, whether you're international or uh, accredited here in our faculties, um, wanted to practice dentistry. So the, the mission of NDB through a federal act of parliament is to provide uh, certification cert examinations and certificates um, to people who want to practice dentistry in, in Canada. Like we were talking earlier, and I'm really proud to say that, you know, from these experiences, I've seen um dentistry around the world and the quality of dentistry around the world. And I would have to say that, you know, Canada in particular has one of the highest standards of care that we provide to our patients, um, to our educational systems, but also part of our examination and certification um, systems or exams that we, we kind of um, apply to make sure that everyone is competent when they uh, practice dentists in, uh, in Canada. So started off at the board there and then kind of went through the ranks and uh, currently I'm halfway through my term as president of that organization. So it's, yeah, it's been, been really amazing. Um, I kind of use a little bit of my CERC skills with some other uh, technologically advanced dentists as well too. So there has been an evolution of our examinations on an electronic format where we use uh, digital x-rays and also digital 3D models now, which will be very similar to our CEREC models, <laughs> coincidentally. Um, so the examination processes uh, that are going through are also a lot more intuitive to what's currently happening um, at the level of care that we're, we're seeing with technology and also, you know, the fundamentals of being competent as a dentist in Canada. So it's been an amazing uh, group to work with, for sure. This is giving me a little PTSD talking about OSCEs and accreditation <laughs> and evaluations and dual markers. So uh, prior to this, I was having a good time in the podcast now, even now I'm looking, looking over my shoulder to see if uh, Dr. Tyler is behind me from restorative dentistry back in Saskatoon where Mike and I went. Um, was Saskatoon accredited? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. good. All right. Just, just confirming that yeah. Mike and I are both actual uh, dentists. Um, so Amy, uh, of course, you were part of the accreditation process for schools before, which I assume uh, was where you kind of pivoted into your role with the National Dental Examining Board. Is that was that the precursor for it? Well, I was kind of doing both systems at the time. I was on both boards, but I chaired um, CDAC uh, for six years, actually, for a long time. Um, and that was actually probably one of the most interesting positions I've had, uh, simply because you, you learn about the global aspects of dentistry. So we do all the um, accreditation site visits for quality assurance for all of our faculties, um, all the dental assisting programs and dental hygiene programs uh, as well too. So in Canada, there's about roughly about 200 programs when you do the collective. Um, and we also maintain the reciprocal agreements that we have with the, with the states, Australia, New Zealand, um, 
and it's it's a real in Ireland, sorry, um, it's a real pivotal aspect for how everything it's like the ruler of quality assurance for everything that we do in in every form of dental regulation education um and uh, certification so all those things are dependent upon where cdax is the the level of uh, of quality should be um so that was a real eye-opener it gave me a chance to see you know what happens in other countries and other parts of the world um you know, unfortunately, a lot of these positions are political in nature. So with COVID, um, we evolved and pivoted to a virtual accreditation system using cameras and 3D um, virtual tours of faculties. Um, and I was really proud of Canada because, like, you look at the states, their accreditation system basically went on hold for two years where we actually kept the lights on and we were still doing um, site visits and virtual accreditations um, to the same quality or degree of what normally happens as well, too. So it was really... A stressful time, I would say, in my life, but uh, also a very intuitive and, and kind of exciting time. With those virtual site visits, Mike, if that would have happened when I was in school, they would have like forced me to hide in the closet when the cameraman was like walking by just to to sneak that by. So, yeah. well, you know, they, they the cameras that we used actually were really tiny, and so we can kind of watch people working, and and people forget about it. So you, you saw some bad habits kind of happen. Actually, it was. It's kind of like watching slow train wrecks in some some site. Start a show <laughs> called to, to Catch a Procrastinator, which was really my MO in dental school. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we're we're similar veins. I wasn't uh I was a pretty lazy student myself. Well, I uh I think uh I'm I could echo the sentiment that I'm I'm happy I'm not writing the board exams yeah. uh coming up soon here, Emmy. Um lots of lots of tension. Now if we take a look, Emmy, back to the 3D printing and, and knowing, um, you know, we've already hinted to, to some of these courses you've got coming up, um, you know, let's talk a little bit about how can a younger dentist get into the 3D printing or a dentist get into it? What do you see as the road to getting into technology? Because it's awfully daunting. Like, where, where would you start? Well, I think you have to look at your end game. Um, and I think we all talk about that, right? Because uh, one, one thing that happens is, you know, a dentist will go, well, you know, I've got this camera for $10,000 and or whatever it is, you know, and they buy this thing and, and they're like, well, can I make crowns with it? And it's not paired with any form of software. It doesn't have the ability. So you could have, you know, a camera that's purely scan send. You have a camera that's purely scan design, not attached to any mill and then you have like our worlds where we have scan design mill, you know, a complete system. So you gotta you have to decide, you know, where you want to be. And it doesn't mean that, okay, I have to do all this stuff like right away. It's just, you know, I want to start scanning today, maybe a little bit of 3D printing, eventually maybe doing some manufacturing. And you know, the reason why I like Dent Supply Serone is it lets you pick your own path. It had the greatest amount and still does the greatest amount of materializations um, that are on the market. But also the most kind of e and easiest digital workflows from from A to Z. Like Mike, you teach the implantology workflow. Like, have you ever had a system that's been as straightforward A to Z? Yeah, and I'm sure you've done. Yeah, very right. robust. Yeah. yeah. Um. So when it comes to print technologies, uh, like I, you know, okay. So funny enough, I just bought another printer. Like it's it's actually right behind me here. Um, but it's it's a, uh, a Neptune Four large bread printer that's works on filament so i'm doing a couple of other larger 
applications where I've dreamt up of doing an actual anatomic articulator for a case so I could actually print the condyles. So I could print an entire head with this printer. It's like the bed is huge. Um, but like you, it just never stops, right? So I think you have to decide on a printer to start. You don't need, if you're, you're interested in just, you know, printing a few things and trying it out and seeing if you like it, you can get a printer for a few hundred or a couple hundred dollars and get your feet wet. I would think that in terms of getting something into your office uh, and we have multiple printers so we have our prime prints that that are a mainstay that are going and probably the easiest in terms of integration i can scan a patient for my prime scan hit a button and i'm printing that model there's no importing exporting nesting files or or setting up supports or anything like it's it's a, the easiest workflow we also have an asiga so i'm unlimited there i got 350 materials i could choose from so that printer is going all the time, doing a variety of different things, um, you know, at a at a lower price point as well too. But you know, I'm handling the resin. You know, was it my first printer? So you have to know some stuff to use use that one. So I would have to say that, like, really finding a mentor, taking one of our courses, you know, trying out a few different applications. If you're scanning, um, and you're comfortable scanning and 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 scanning and and sending. A scan out you you have the technical skills that you can easily 3d print there's there's pretty much not much to it you know and, and it's so automated now and in, in majority of the softwares um that is they're all kind of single touch operation i would have to say in terms of what i've seen coming through um that the prime prints have been the easiest integrations into 3d printing that i've that i've experienced uh with people so you know we've had a couple of Asigas. I sold one when I bought my prime prints. I still kept one, um, but I had to kind of coach those guys along. They got a prime print um, as well, and they've had an easier integration, they said, uh, with the prime prints. So it's really kind of experience-based, but you get better at it as the more you do it. I think what's really exciting about it is the materials that are coming out. So Lucitone's 3D principle. So my next big thing now, and I have a case on the go, and I might be teaching in Calgary, is doing a digital denture setup. So um, the one I'm working on, actually, I saw her today. I'm virtually removing teeth, and I'm going to do a 3D printed immediate denture for her with set uh, Ibuclar portrait teeth. Um, and I'll be the first one I'll, that I'll do with a with a Lucitone equivalent print material. And I think that's an amazing application, mm. all just for my initial treatment planning records. So didn't need to take anything else. I have her face on the computer. I have her smile. I have her, her scans. And I can do the entire treatment. So I don't need stabilizing bases. And I can virtually articulate her with her face being right there. So it's going to be, I think, a pretty amazing application. The other material, I think that's going to be a game changer are the nano permanent resin materials. So when you look at, you know, prepless application on CACAM, it's a very hard thing to do. Um, you know, the hull axis is when you're trying to mill uh, material, you need to have some thickness to it, you know, so you can't really do things without really prepping, you know, unless the teeth are really kind of, you know, flat, I guess, to a certain degree, and don't have a lot of undercuts. But when you look at these nano hybrids, you can kind of 3D print an undercut, and there's enough elasticity in those materials. So the combinations of ceramics and, and resins. Um, and I think the research on them are, are looking really good. So kind of like similar in vein to like an anamic type material, but having the ability to, you know, orthodontically move some teeth and doing some prepless veneers uh, all virtually without having to do um, any preps is extremely appealing. 
And I think there's a lot of promise in those materials. Um, beyond that, I, I think, um, you know, materials are just going to get better, stronger, and more durable over time. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, I know laser sintering was kind of a, a mechanic with um, zirconia. Like you can laser sinter zirconia. It just doesn't make sense to because it's way cheaper and faster to mill it, you know. So you also have to kind of pick, you know, whether you're printing or or, or milling, you know, which one's a little bit more efficient in terms of uh, application as well. Lots of really interesting information, Amy. You alluded to a course that you have uh, February 9th in Calgary. What else uh, do you have coming up on the horizon for teaching? What events, what are you doing at the Academy this year? Yeah, so we have uh, a couple of level threes. So level three is kind of like a little bit more uh, advanced, uh, kind of handing off from uh, the guys uh, with level two. So we we do a lot of smile design, the full restorative basis for uh, for implants. So Mike, after you place your implant and you teach him how to do that, I teach him how to restore it with a tie base and an Atlantis option. So we go through all the different permutations of that. Smile design virtual articulation is, is a big part of it. So we do a lot of anterior work with customizations. So we got a couple of those sessions coming up. We're finalizing the dates on that. We also have two advanced prime print um, courses as well. So two days on every single 3D print application coming out of InLab. So pretty much every every button we we touch uh, in that course. And that uh, we ran that pilot program last year. And it was, I would say, probably the funnest one I teach. Mm -hmm. I, I enjoy teaching that one, actually. And that's out of the um, Academy, Amy? That's out of the academy. Uh, PDC, there's another um, uh, interesting piece of technology called the Solea laser. It's a CO2 uh, hard soft tissue uh, complete laser system uh, from Convergence Dental. I've adopted that uh, and been kind of speaking for them. So I'm lecturing about that laser at the PDC on the Thursday morning. Um, and also my Digital Design Academy will be happening and being unveiled this year as well, too. So we're going to have some programs right out of Winnipeg. I got all my licenses and computers ordered and putting everything together here. So we're going to be doing some stuff at the Safeway here. Nice. That's <laughs> exciting. And what yeah. was the uh, name of your company again for the uh, digital designs? Sure. It's just Rehaul Digital Designs. Um, but uh, you can kind of keep up to date on what's kind of happening down the pike if you follow me on Instagram. So it's a Rehaul one uh, on Instagram and there'll be some stuff coming out there. And then, sure. you know, not to, uh, diminish the importance of 3d printing, but what's going on with your band and your music life and, uh, what's <laughs> your next gig? Okay. So probably in and around St. Patty's day. So we, uh, and kind of weirdly enough, uh, my, my best friend that passed away owned a, a pub and he was my singer for almost uh, 30 or 35 years of my, my life. But, uh, his daughter, and his wife are running the pub. I'm kind of helping him out uh, doing that. But we we do uh, get together and we play a bunch of Celtic music. So they're Irish descendants. So it's kind of weird seeing a Sikh guy playing a, a mandolin or a 12 string and singing Irish music. But somehow or another, it works. Um, so I think that's going to be probably one there uh, coming up. Um, and then, yeah, I'm not sure what's going to happen after that. I still sit down on my guitars every now and then. But uh, I'm trying to learn how to play piano. That's something new. The real question is, you have more guitars than you have 3D printers, and uh, do you also have a Shamrock Turban would be the next question. But we'll have to save that, Mike, for the next podcast. Amy, this was fantastic. I took some notes. Um, you know, Mike and I were really excited to have you on because we knew that we would absorb some information, get really motivated in terms of getting into more of this technology. And it's really inspiring what you've done with your business, with your practice, 
And, uh, you know, it's great motivation for us to continue to forge ahead and really hone our skills in the 3D printing world as well. So, Mike, do you want to wrap it up for us? Yes, I'd like to say thanks again. Uh, really appreciate it. I echo um, my colleague, Vish, uh, all of his um, uh, kind words. And, uh, man, yeah, you do motivate us. You know, when just when we think we're doing everything and killing it, we are like, we haven't, we got to keep going. So... Uh, I'll probably stay at the office here tonight for another few hours, just starting reading up on uh, um, more materials and uh, to be sharpened up. But I again, I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Emmy, and we'll we'll have to we'll have to have you back on um, because there's so much we can talk about. So everybody out there, thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, please like or subscribe at Digital Workflow Dentistry Instagram. Follow for links for the podcast. We're on all the major um, Spotify, Apple, everything. We're out there. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Thanks again, Emmy. Thanks, Emmy.